Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, Greg Dutcher in the house. Greg. In, uh, as the young people say, Nathan, the His House. The His House. That's what the young people said in 1994. <laughs> so I think we're a little here. beyond that right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing it back. There you go. And uh, Steve Hartland joining us again. Steve, say hi to everyone out hey, there. Hey, howdy. Now, Steve, you uh, just recently had uh, surgery, so uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, tell us what was going on. How are you recovering? Oh, it's just uh, uh, being dumb in the gym is what happened, uh, not acting my age and so on. So uh, I, I tore part of the tricep tendon off of the bone, and we had surgery three weeks ago, and now I have my arm in a, in a uh, brace, and I can't do much with it. So biggest problem for me is I'm not allowed to ride the motorcycle, frankly. I, wow. saw, I yeah. saw the surgeon earlier this week, and my big question for him was, when can I ride? And he just hung his head and shook it. Oh, <laughs> how much longer, Steve? Yeah. Uh, he wouldn't tell me. Wow. And wow. he said, you know, what if you had a mishap? And I said, well, if I have a mishap, I think this elbow is the least of my concerns. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, well, I'll, I'll do whatever he says. Nathan, you know, I told Steve before the podcast, say that that's why I choose um, not to exercise in the gym, because I, I want to keep my body pastor ready at all times. <laughs> So, so in a moment, you can be you can be there and ready. I'm ready to serve people, which is why I'm at Starbucks. I'm eating pastries because then I'm preacher ready. Steve. See, I thought I was in the gym presenting my body as a living sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet I bet it felt like a sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you do every time you get on the motorcycle too. Yeah. Oh yeah. my uh-huh. goodness, I bet. Yeah. Uh, well, it's great to have you back here, Steve. Um, we have a great show for you all today. Um, our first topic on the agenda, um, so to speak, is going to be uh, coming off the heels of when my buddy JR came in and was talking to us. And um, Steve, this was actually your topic that you sent to us. Um, and I really, you know, really excited to, to discuss it. Um, and that is, why do my uh, Christian friends seem to appear at times more uh, jerky, even less gracious than my non-Christian friends? Um, and, and so we're just going to go ahead and, and talk about that for a little bit. Um, Greg, do you, do you want to weigh in on some uh, thoughts and things like that first, especially, you know, keeping in mind the conversation we had with uh, JR? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'd say I'm curious to hear what you're going to say, Steve. I, um, I think we'll have a resonance there. Uh, I think I mentioned that even in a recent sermon at some point that, you know, I mean, one of the things God does in the church, which is good, is he puts us with people that we... And let's be honest, probably wouldn't choose to hang with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are times I'm in a, <laughs> in a car ride with a, you know, a guy, and I'm thinking, wow, man, this is, <laughs> this is rough. Uh, and, and no doubt there's a, a, a good kind of sanctifying purpose that can come out of that. But uh, I'll just say, Steve, I think I was telling you beforehand, there are times I'm like, man, I, I'm hanging out with this guy who doesn't know the Lord, and it's, <laughs> it's a little more <laughs> relaxing. It's... It's less guilt-oriented, it's uh, more natural, and sometimes just kinder, but that, those are just some general thoughts. I'm yeah. curious to hear, Steve. Um, now, of course, I'm not one of those jerky friends, right? Um, yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's just keep rolling. Uh, it's better not to answer that. Next topic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you're doing fine. But you know, we even hear people say sometimes, uh, you know, how come at least some of my non-Christian friends seem nicer than at least some of my Christian friends? Yeah. Why is that? Why do these people treat me better? And, and I've, you know, I've got personal stories of that as well. I've got some non-Christian friends that I just love to hang out with. And, of course, part of the reason is uh, the non-Christian friends aren't trying to live a life where they're being careful about what's right and what's wrong and et cetera. So the Christians sure. can tend to be picky. But still, it just seems like that guy's nicer 
mm-hmm. than this guy over over here. How come? And I've had to think about that a lot. So I've got a few answers in mind that, that help me a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, like off the top of my head, do you guys have any any answers in your minds? How would you explain that? Yeah, I think um, I, I think there's a couple things going on. I think one is. Um, you know, as we talk about and, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to rub anyone the wrong way, but I think, I think part of it is we, our sin nature still resonates with some of those things, Mm. you know, if it, if it is sin stuff that we're getting into, you know, um, or, you know, our, our non-believing friends, um, you know, like, like my buddy JR, you know, um, some of the stuff that he talks about doing, it's like, you know, I can, I can appreciate that on a level, even though I would never do it or I would never get into it. And so it, it almost seems like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, and the other aspect is Steve, what you were talking about, there's almost this like judgment free zone, yes. you know, mm-hmm. where, where you're not, your actions aren't being called into question all the time, you For know, sure. even something that isn't mm-hmm. a sin, you know, as, as somebody who enjoys uh, drinking beer and having a predominantly conservative family, who are Christians hanging out with my family sometimes can be a strain. It's like, I just want a beer. You're the reason why I want a beer and I can't, (laughs) Um, you know, and so hanging out with my non-Christian friends who could care less about drinking. um, It's just, you know, it's a way to kick back and relax and just talk, shoot the breeze. Greg. Uh, Yeah, totally. And I I think uh, sometimes uh, Christians are, they gravitate, to the disciplines. I know we're going to talk about Bible reading a little later as one of the mm-hmm. disciplines. I may have shared this. If I did, Nathan, cut me off because I don't, that could be really boring podcasting. But <laughs> a mutual friend of ours told me that uh, he was sitting having, having lunch one day. Yeah. Uh, a, a buddy of his sat down. Uh, this guy starts talking to the buddy that just got to the table and says, Oh, did you see this, this movie, this and that? And uh, he said to his friend, I'll call him George. He said, hey, hey, George, I'm sorry, could, could you stop talking for just a moment? Um, I just want to take some time to bless my meal. And so uh-huh. he kind of <laughs> kind of cut him off. Oh, man. And then he kind of, you know, murmurs to himself quietly. And, and the guy sitting there is sort of like, oh, wow, I feel awkward. By the way, it's interesting. He didn't invite him to join in yeah. on, yeah. on the What's prayer. It's like, yeah. I'm going to bless my meal. And this friend said to me, he says, Greg, I mean, is kindness... Sometimes <laughs> more important or should be given more than just sort of doing the Christian thing. Yeah. And uh, my friend Mike Shive, Dave has been a guest of the podcast. His, uh, I saw him do this one time. We sat down. We were having a pizza together uh, with a group of friends. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're all Christians, so somebody was about to do the mandatory prayer. Right. Uh, and Mike said, hey, can I just say I want to eat this pizza and I don't want anybody to pray? And it, it almost felt like, uh, was well, this wrong? I mean, are we, are we going to get struck dead, yeah. you know, for, for not blessing this meal? And Mike's point was, he goes, the Bible never says anywhere to pray before every meal. Yeah. And, you know, he said, this is just, and I just want to know one time if I can go out with a group of Christians, eat a pizza and not pray. And not be condemned. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and we all did it, but I will confess, it felt so weird. <laughs> Greg, we're going to do that today when we go out after this podcast. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, although where we're going to eat this particular Mexican place, I think it could kill us. So I think uh, we probably will still pray, pray but but for other reasons. So you know, I I tend to think sometimes it's like, well, there's things Christians do, and I have to do, and we can sort of lose sight of, as you said, Steve, like an unbeliever is not even thinking about those things, 
And so in some ways, just relating yeah. is more natural and organic sometimes. So that's my thought. Yeah, there you go. To, uh, to deepen the subject a little bit for me, I have really, I have really struggled with this issue sometimes because I, I honestly think I've been treated really badly sometimes mm. by some Christians. Yeah. They'd probably say I treated them badly. I, I, I was seeking to be kind. But anyway, <laughs> um, and, and I have wrestled with, uh, you know, where is all that I read about in Scripture about the power of the Holy Spirit as a transforming power in our lives? How come that guy isn't? Very transformed yet, <laughs> right? Um, and and you know, all that you read in Scripture about uh, being renewed in our minds and how it changes us and so on. What's going on with this? How come it isn't working in all these people? Because I see a lot of people who just don't treat each other so well. Yeah, there's a guy in our church um, who uh, I'm going to talk to him this week. I shouldn't be talking about this. Uh, no, I, I saw, it's, I saw, <laughs> no names. Just call him Charlie. I was looking at the way Charlie was yeah. talking to somebody else on Facebook, and I thought, "Oh, Charlie, no, man, no, no, no." You know. Yeah. Now I got to go talk to Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, there was just a lack of social skills there, a yeah. lack of gracefulness and kindness and thoughtfulness, and it seemed like he didn't care if he would trash the relationship. He wanted to say what he wanted to say, mm. rather than saying, whatever I say, I want it to enhance the relationship. Yeah. I want them to love me more. I want them to feel my love, yeah. et cetera, you know, as much as I can, as much as humanly possible. Yeah. So uh, something Tim Keller said really helped me a lot with this, and it really comes to the doctrine, the, the biblical doctrine of common grace. Mm -hmm. So Keller points out the fact that in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, just remember who you are, guys. I'm paraphrasing it, obviously. There are not many of you born well. Not many of you wise, not many of you, you know, uh, born in wealthy families, not many of you are sons and daughters with PhDs, and mm -hmm. not many of you are sons and daughters of senators or congresspersons or Supreme Court justices, etc. The fact is, as James puts it, God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he's promised to those who love him. So what, what that might mean is, this is what Keller suggests is, a lot of Christians start off in their Christian life from a platform of less common grace than some of our non-Christian friends might have. Interesting. Yeah. To turn it around another way, uh, we have to recognize, the, the doctrine of common grace helps me so much. We have to recognize a non-Christian guy might be a way better father a way better husband, mm -hmm. a way better manager of the, fi the finances of the family than a Christian guy because God has given him common grace. And I have to admit, it just it irks me. I think Christians aren't thinking enough sometimes about this. I, I too often hear Christians say, well, they can't live right because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Right. They yeah. can't live right because they don't know Jesus. Well, you know what? He's living more right than you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's a better yeah. father, a better husband, a, a better manager of the finances. He's a better guy at work and so on and so forth. But how do we explain that? God gives gifts to all people, and sometimes he gives great social skills to somebody who's not yeah. a Christian, and he yeah. gives great parenting skills to somebody who's not a Christian. And, yeah. and so I have to remember that when I'm around my Christian friends, I remember, you know what? We're just a ragtag bunch of nobodies. Yeah. We aren't born mm -hmm. well, most of us. We come from backgrounds where we're dysfunctional or whatever, and we have a lot of making up to do. So when I add that to what we already said, my non-Christian friends might not be trying to hold me to standards all the time. They're yeah. just out to enjoy life with me. Um, you get quite a difference sometimes between what it feels like to be with your Christian oh, friends and sure. yeah. your non-Christian sure. friends. No, no doubt, Stephen. And isn't part of it, I mean, you've heard the phrase, we've probably all heard it, it's used, maybe overused, the, the EGR, you know, where that's, uh, you say, oh, that's an EGR guy in the small group. What's that, you know, extra grace required. Uh, you know, there's a sense in which we're all EGRs, theologically, no doubt. But 
uh, Lisa and I, my wife, talk about this all the time, Steve. I would say, wow, 20 plus <clears throat> years in the church uh, now, the local church, you know, and only having been in two, you know, I, I look for some general patterns between the two and talking to other friends. Um, don't you think part of it may be uh, to go to your First Corinthians uh, example and Tim Keller and, and what he's saying, that a lot of people that have incredibly terrible social skills um, could not survive anywhere else but the church. <laughs> so it, 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 it's like they That's find, they find they their way find to their church. They find their place, huh? Yeah. And, and hopefully they're finding it through the path of conversion and coming to trust Christ, and some yeah. maybe not. And that's cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. If they're converted to community first, hey, we're glad mm. they're here. There's an opportunity to minister. But there are, I would say, so many people that sometimes I can't believe like, wow, I have the same thought. This dude's been a Christian for 10 years. Um, I've told this in the past. I think you've heard this maybe on a Sunday, Nathan. But mm-hmm. when I was in seminary, there was a guy who uh, was there. He got weeded out pretty quickly. One of the most socially awkward guys uh, that I, I've ever met. You know, guy's name was John. That was his real first name. Won't give his last. But uh, he was a very awkward guy, just you you felt uncomfortable within two minutes. Missed every social cue. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> seemed to say the wrong thing about you know. He's the guy you were terrified if you said, "Hey, John, you know, um, Jim here. He's having a hard day. His his mom just passed away." You were terrified what he would say. Uh, well, I mean, everybody dies. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, 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 it was one of those kind of guys. Really sensitive. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No clue at all how he was impacting people. Uh, my roommate at the time, uh, Ken Banks, we lived um, on the third floor of a retired pastor's home, Mennonite pastor, uh, there in uh, our little town where the school was. And uh, he would come home working at uh, Nelson Steel, the steel company he worked at. This guy, John, worked there too. And he says, Greg, I, I had no idea what to do today. The, the guys I'm working with hate John. They're all non-Christians. And they said, oh. Ken, they said, man, you... Like you're nice to us and stuff, but I mean John's telling us that we're going to hell because of our music and and how we're all pagans and I mean we, we just can't stand this guy. And they're giving specific examples of things he said, like about the overweight female supervisor that uh, he was making comments on. It uh, was all this sort of stuff. I said, Ken, dude, what did you say? And he said, Greg, the only thing I could think to honestly say is, yeah, guys, I mean. Uh, all I can tell you is just, I mean, think how bad off John would be without Jesus. <laughs> you know, the guys kind of stop. Uh, it was yeah. a way of acknowledging, I know, he says, guy, the guy does know Jesus. Right. And, um, you know, maybe to your point, Steve, where John started uh, was so, so uh, yeah. way behind where some other people started. messed yeah. up. And who knows what his parents were like? Who knows yeah. what his upbringing was like? Yeah. And last week, I actually, we talked a little bit with Matt Smith about mental illness, too. I can factor in there sometimes. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's, um, yeah, it, it's an issue that is difficult. But I know what you mean. I, I think in one of Yancey's books, he says that. Like, uh, he says, here is a man, and he paints a man who's like in his 70s. He's been reading the Bible every day for 50 years, has his quiet time, has his devotional, you know, journals you know, extensively. And yet, and he's like the rudest, kind of mildly racist, meanest guy he's ever known. Hmm. It's, it's hard to know like what to how do. How do you explain yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we um, we talk about and bring up C.S. Lewis a lot because you know he wrote that 
fantastic book, Mere Christianity, just, Mm -hmm. you know, going from essentially start to finish in the Christian life. And if you look at what's, you know, so he writes, again, this, you know, great doctrinal book on what a Christian looks like. And then if you read what people wrote about him and what he was like, the dude was racist. He was sexist, Mm -hmm. you know, and so he acknowledged even in himself, in reality, outside of his theological books that, you know what, it... we're broken right we're broken people even as christians we're broken people and you know this is who we are and it's only but by the grace of god you know it really helps me too that scripture portrays that i mean i read certain verses and it sounds like we all ought to be really 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 amazingly transformed Uh and you know glowingly wonderful people uh, and then the reality sets in when you meet your other Christians. Uh, yeah. But when you read the New Testament, <laughs> yeah. that same reality is there. Yeah. So, you know, go yeah. to the Corinthian church, and there's a guy living with his stepmother, and yeah. you know, all, just all kinds of issues, and people fighting. In fact, <laughs> a passage I have really loved that has really helped me is in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, you'll remember Paul and Barnabas go out on their first missionary journey, sent from the great church in Antioch, and they plant churches and make disciples, and then they come back home. Then it's time to go for a second journey, and, and Paul says to Barnabas, you know, let's go on a second journey. Great idea, Paul. Let's take away, let's take along you know, my cousin, John yeah. Mark, right? or my nephew, whatever he is, yeah. John yeah. Mark. And Paul says, over my dead body. Right. You know, that <laughs> deserter, that kid left us when we needed him on the first journey. He is not going along. And I love the way Luke reports the contention became so sharp. Now, this is Paul and Barnabas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are like, you know, some of the lead Christians on the planet in that time. And yet the contention became so sharp over do we take the quitter along or not right. uh, that, that they parted ways. Yeah. And then you know, I, I love also, though, that later in life, Paul writes, you know, bring John Mark for he's, he's oh, useful yeah. to me. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it got better somewhere along the line. Yeah. But, yeah. hey, if guys like Paul and Barnabas cannot be able to figure out how do we make this work, then I'm not surprised that sometimes we no. can't figure out how to make it work. No, that's a great point, Steve. It, yeah. it, it helps me. Our, um, <clears throat> our church history guy at my seminar, a guy named John Frankie, said one time, what he loves most about church history is he says, it should help you relax a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Because you're going to read stuff. And what? Yeah. I mean, the the litany of of offenses and horrible schisms and fleshly kind of junk going on. And here we are, 2,000 years into it. You know, Christ is building his church, his thoroughly imperfect church. But, but, um, you know, things are... uh, Things are moving forward yeah. somehow, some way. Obviously, the grace of God, but it is um, a subject I'd like to keep revisiting over time. Oh, absolutely, as we, as we think through it, because I'm with you, Steve. I, I feel that sometimes, and you know, you think, "Wow, where is the change?" And I think part of it, in the 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 pastorate, while it could make somebody jaded, and some mm-hmm. pastors bolt because they get mm-hmm. discouraged. I like to think it makes you maybe more realistic is the positive way to see it. Yeah, good. And and I'm learning to celebrate really tiny changes in people. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this guy, you know, uh, honestly, the, so this guy had a conversation with you and it was 20 minutes and he, he didn't offend you. That went all right, huh? Yeah, dude, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's let's celebrate that. That, that. that maybe a year ago, that never would have happened. You know, yeah. it, it was guaranteed. Uh, so it's not that we're, we're doubting that change can't take place, but maybe... What change is uh, needs a, a thorough revisiting. Just yeah. a thought. I'm I'm sure you guys will uh, will feel the same about this too. I, it helps me to remember 
when I'm pointing a finger at somebody and saying, you know, Lord, why aren't they more changed? Where is the power of your spirit in them? There's probably six people sitting around at that same time <laughs> yeah. pointing their fingers at me saying, what's wrong with Heartland? Where's your grace? Yeah. Where's your power in his life? Yeah. So none of us would think, you know, we're the examples yeah. of being changed, right? Right. We yeah, all I mean, realize well, we got issues. I mean, you guys, I agree. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Steve, I did tell the church yesterday, you know, it's hard for me to relate to this since my sin nature was fully eradicated in 2004. <laughs> but I remember when I used to sin, man. It was tough. It was rough for you. It was rough. I mean, I feel for you guys. It, it makes it a lot easier in my marriage Whenever Lisa and I have a dispute, you know, she kind of just knows automatically uh, from where it stems. But that's but a, she's wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Oops. And, and then you end up sleeping on the couch, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Right or wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, great topic, guys. And like you said, Greg, we're um, we're going to be you know just revisiting us down the road, um, and it, because it's a never-ending topic. Yeah. It's it's always coming up, and there's always new things to consider as we you know as we grow in sanctification, and as others are growing in sanctification as well. Um. Our second topic for today is going to be on uh, respect toward authority and what that looks like. And just to kind of give um, you know the background, um, I remember uh, several years ago when I was teaching, um, it, was, it was in a private Christian school, the administrator was uh, less than godly. And, uh, you know, of course, as teachers, we're making comments on this, hopefully not in front of the students, uh, but we're commenting to each other. And then as teachers, we're also observing students are making comments about this to one another. Um, and as a teacher, I tried not to get involved in student conversations um, unless it, it was completely inappropriate. I, I, you know, I felt they needed outlets to vent to one another as we as teachers did. Um, and I remember speaking with uh, Joy's grandfather, actually, and him thinking it was just wildly inappropriate that mm. students were making comments about the leadership. Um, and so I just wanted to get your, you guys' opinions on, you know, what does respect toward authority, because we're commanded to do it, what does that look like um, in the Bible? You know, yeah. how, how do we live that out? I mean, should I have stepped in there and, you know, told my students, um, hey, hey, guys, you know what, this is just, we shouldn't be talking about this right now, um, so we're just going to put an end to it and not bring it up, not discuss it. Um, or, you know, uh, was it right to let them bring up these issues that they saw and discuss them amongst one another? So, guys, your, your thoughts. And Hot potato, man. Yeah. That's what I do here. Yeah, yeah that's right. Nate. That's <laughs> yeah. your role. That's, that's why you're first on this one. Right. <laughs> no, I, um, and I did have a little heads up, Steve, so I, I had a minute to think about it, which is good. It's, uh, it is complicated. Let me come back to the school issue and mm -hmm. say a, a real basic thing or two about submission, et cetera. From a parenting perspective, um, you know, when, when your kids are little, you know, they're, they're not getting, obviously, the, the conceptual basis for obedience. And you're not really even trying to. You're trying to teach them right from wrong. When mommy or daddy say, do this and do this. And, that, and as they get older, they're naturally going to question more. They're going to ask more questions. The way Lisa and I have always tried to approach this as the kids get old enough, is I, I don't want to provoke them to wrath, as Paul tells us. Uh, I think one of the ways we can do that is at a certain age where the kid is genuinely frustrated, genuinely doesn't understand, s thinks that the punishment is too severe for the infraction they've committed. Um, I think one of the worst things Christian parents can do, in my opinion, is to just say, hey, I'm your father. You, you know, God's placed us in your life as your authority. Do it. Uh, I understand the appeal, 
you can point to text and you can say this. Um, what we have said to our kids is the Bible does say, obviously, that you're under authority. That doesn't mean that you can't ask us something. So I tend to think submission, respect is often more about tone and more about the manner in which that's brought. You know, if my son says to me, obviously, and hopefully he won't, Dad, you're so stupid. I mean, this is the dumbest punishment ever. So yeah, that's that's probably going to increase the punishment. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not going to go well. Yeah. But if, if my son Ben, for instance, he's almost 12, comes to me, and that's happened before, Dad, you know, I know that I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but I'm just confused. Do I really have to miss, you know, this party, this thing because of this? You're trying to teach them they can bring their questions to us. The manner in which they do it is is yeah, critical. Yeah. You know, so that that's kind of my first thought on it and nice safe thought there. Now I'll let Steve really tackle that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a passage just comes to my mind and it's again it's in the book of Acts and it's the Apostle Paul. He's dragged before a high priest, and uh, he's to give an account for himself as a preacher of the gospel and so on. So he begins his talk by saying, I've always sought to live with a clean conscience before God. That's all the high priest can take. He orders Paul to be slapped, and Paul lashes out and says, God's going to slap you, you whitewashed wall. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) So this answers a couple of things. Is it ever appropriate to call an authority a name? (laughs) Like Jesus called Herod that fox. Go tell Herod that fox. But uh, then they inform Paul that this is the high priest. Apparently, he didn't know just who this was that spoke yeah, to him. Yeah, that's a great And he example. says, oh, man, I'm sorry. I did not realize that he was the high priest. For Scripture says, don't revile a leader of your people. Right. So it was appropriate for Paul to lash out at just some dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't appropriate for Paul to lash out at a man that God had placed in authority as a high priest over his nation and so on. Yeah. So we have to consider... You know, who's the person I'm speaking about here? Right, yeah. right. No, that's that's a great point. See, great, great example too. The um, yeah, the issue of authority in office often comes up, of course, with the president. Um, yeah. A little preview here. Yeah. I think when when Dave Shive is on next time, one of the issues that we've been talking about offline, I've got some concern too, Steve, about Facebook, uh, social media, the number of people, great people that I love and respect that some of the political stuff really concerns me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost open the, maybe season. The, the flavor and the tone of it. Huh? Flavor and tone. Yeah. yeah, flavor and tone. And I Now, personally, this is just me personally. I, I wouldn't press this. I find it difficult if, if I, with you know, friends of a different political persuasion, some of whom don't know Christ, perhaps, um, for me, I just don't see much value in you know, yeah, the gospel is always enough of a barrier. Yes. That why do I want to put another barrier out there? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, if it's gun control or this and that, and I might have my private opinions, and I do, mm-hmm. and they're very strong. Yeah. But what what's what benefits going to come to me? So that that's one subject. But the tone sometimes of whether it's Obama, uh, whether it's uh, you know one of our senators like Mikulski or, or somebody like that, is concerning because for one, you've got the great almost anonymity of Facebook. You can just say whatever. It's not really a conversation. Uh, it's just sort of broadcasting rantings and opinions. Um, that is there a way if I, I'll tell people, look, you want to express political opinion, please be mindful of, uh, I mean, First Timothy 2 tells us to pray for those in authority, yeah. kings, etc. And you got to think, I mean, Paul is writing these things when Nero, Nero. is the dude. And he also <laughs> writes in Romans 13, uh, honor 
the yes. king, right? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's God's servant. God put him in place. He's God's man for you. And people say, right, God put him in place as a judgment. Well, come on. That's not what scripture says. No, right, right. right. But, but the bottom line there is honor the king, fear God. And what's a primary way that I can show honor to the king of my nation? It's, it's in how I speak of him. Right. It's what I say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And I, I've often thought about that. Um, like uh, one guy said to me one time, just sort of offline, man, if I saw Obama, I would say Obama, this and that. And I, I kind of yeah. said, hey, let me ask you, uh, if you ever did speak to him, would you call him Mr. President? And he said, no, because he's not my president. And I said, yes, he is. He's your president. Oh, he's my president. See, now I mean, we're getting back to the topic of how messed up can Christians be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very entangled. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so there, there's a sense in which it's a, you know he is in this office. There is a respect that is to be paid. I think Scripture is very, very clear on that. And, you know, I, I've gotten in trouble with this. So, Ken, I'm, I'm putting it out here. But the w- one or two times when I've mentioned even the big question, I don't know if you've ever done this, Steve, the American Revolution, Romans 13, uh, uh-huh. wow, that's dicey. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it is. dicey. <laughs> so I'll, just, I'll say that for now. But I did make the point, I understand the issues back then were what? Taxation without mm-hmm. representation. I said Nero had a pretty similar policy. Yeah, uh, His was called decapitation without yeah. representation. <laughs> so it's, you know, I, I'm uh, thinking... My lions are hungry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is I'm what, out of candles. I need to burn some Christians <laughs> yeah, to light my exactly. gardens. And then blame them for burning them, yeah. you know. And uh, so there's a sense in which um, I just can't help but think how hostile the political culture was in first century Christendom. And these submission texts, I mean, what yeah. teeth they must Peter have. Peter has it. Paul has it. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and now I would say, I know we're in a democracy, different form of government than what a first century Christian would have lived in. So I would say, yeah, we, we do get an incredible privilege. We get to vote. We get to put our voice, petitions, etc. So to me, I always say in that context, tone and manner becomes critical. So for students, Nathan, I've taught in a Christian school setting mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you have as well, Steve. So you know, we, we all share that. Um, you know, I what I would try to do, and I was in situations like that, is is tell kids, um, guys, I understand your frustration. Um, it's probably not. I'm probably not the one to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll ask, hey, have you talked to your parents? Because you know, we we do have the privilege of going to people and sharing this. That there's a way to express it. Uh, and when kids are frustrated, I, I am fearful that if we batten down the hatches on them yeah. and play the submission card, we're going to, we're going to serve as a provocation yeah. to frustration and wrath. Yes. So, so it's, it's really with those students, it's a great teaching opportunity to, to show them how they can talk about legitimate issues or issues that they feel are legitimate anyway. But uh, teach them how to do it with a with a good attitude. Yeah. Teach them how to do it in a way that shows respect for the person of authority they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and I think too, um, it, a lot of it. Um, it it's interesting to see how much um, children will mimic their parents. Yeah, and, and I found you know that that students who are who are you know blasting things and saying things. Well, their parents are doing the very same thing at home. And so a lot of it has been by the example, you know, either through the the governmental authority or or whatever it might be. And so, you know, this is kind of a cautionary tale to parents as well. You know, if you have your students who are, you know, disrespectful toward authority, in your opinion, what, how are you treating your authority? Sure. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's a great point. If the dad's coming home every night complaining what a jerk the boss is and, you're letting the kids hear that, you know, those, those things do have an impact. I mean, I've 
I've seen that in my own life with my mm-hmm. own kids, unfortunately, uh, on other issues, you know, the way I get irritated with traffic, uh, not even thinking of their audience. And then when I hear one of my kids repeat one of my phrases, come on, move, you dolt. Uh, I'm thinking that might not have been the best investment in my kids' formation, but uh, I think that's a good point, Nathan. And um, yeah, the, the authority subject, we actually are going to get to that in maybe a month or so in First Peter yep. uh, for you know where we are now. And it'll, um, it'll be interesting, you know, bosses, uh, employees, th- yeah. those things. I mean, it's a great laboratory of life change sanctification yeah. it's not going to come natural we're, we're a you know uh you know tell your boss take this job and shove it culture <laughs> it, being hit with these really strong it really it's a strong sense uh to your point steve of god's sovereignty yeah that yeah the people that are there are there because god put them there and we we actually we, like you know i've heard uh people say that oh god's put them there as a judgment i say you know, we're free from even presuming on the reasons. That's that's all God's business. Yeah, doesn't yeah. say that in Scripture. You're right, just, exactly. You're making that up. You're making it up. You're inferring, and I'll let God decide all that. Just say this is what He's told us to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah staying on the subject of politics for a moment. Uh, maybe you guys don't want me to touch on this. Maybe, Please, your your opinions might be interesting. Uh, a lot of Christians in this in this part of the world tend to be politically conservative. And uh, they have commutes into the city and out every day. And so what do they do? They listen to talk radio stations during their commute, and they come home angry at the present government every day. <laughs> yes. And they come home, and you know, they vent that on their kids. And I, I, I'm not real confident of the value of a lot of programs, political, politically-oriented programs that are available. Right. I, I think often they just they serve – of course, they're there for financial reasons. They want to make money. They want to get sponsors for their programs so they make more money. Sure. And they find that they get clients if they stir you up. You know, yeah. you'll come back and you'll listen again. So their their job is to stir people up against the present government and uh, get you all inflamed and so on. I would rather you listen to a great, you know, I, I, listen to the Bible on tape. Right. Not on right. tape. Tapes are gone. Right. Yeah. I'm dating myself. The Bible on, not even CD yeah. anymore. What? I guess MP3. Yeah. yeah, there you yeah. Go. Plug uh, your iPod in. Listen yeah. to a great podcast yeah. like These Go to 11. Yes. Yeah, there you go, for example. <laughs> because, uh-huh. Steve, you've probably already sensed it. I mean, this podcast, we're, we're saving souls and transforming lives. We're up from three to five people <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's big growth. That's good. <laughs> Almost double growth. Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. No, Steve. I mean, we, we have touched on that. When we talked about ISIS, we touched yeah. on that a little bit. And there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, here we're, we are right now in Harford County, suburban Maryland. The Christian community is um, predominantly conservative, Republican, mm-hmm. conservative, libertarian, somewhere on that spectrum, understandably. Yeah. Uh, I always say, Stephen, I think you uh, say the same. Uh, we'll say here from the pulpit, we go out of our way, that we're not going to get political. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. if, we, um, if we're touching on a subject that we think is biblical, yeah. uh, the sanctity of life is, is, is a biblical topic. Yes, I know it's discussed in the political arena, but as believers, we're concerned about it from a biblical standpoint. I did mention, and I'll mention it again, Mark Sweeney, our XP here, our executive pastor, yeah. had the best example of this at his former church. He said, a guy said to him, he goes, you know, Mark, I'm just so concerned about the state of the country. And he named three things. He goes, you know, with um, same-sex marriage, abortion, Obamacare. And Mark kind of paused and said, Okay, uh, you know, let me walk through those and said, yeah, the, the abortion thing, no doubt, the same-sex marriage, a lot of issues there that we need to think through. He said, Obamacare, I would kind of put in a different category. And he said, you know, the first two issues are sort of moral life choice issues with, you know, real significant consequences. The third one is a political philosophy about public health insurance. <laughs> and the guy really couldn't see it. 
Couldn't they, see the difference. They were so linked yeah. together in his uh-huh. mind. Because he's listening absolutely. to the same program. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, when a guy comes to me and he's really stirred up politically and says, I'm so concerned about where our nation's going, my first question is, who are you listening to? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was a great discussion, guys. Thank you so much for weighing in on that. Um, now we're actually going to spring forward to uh, the sermon yesterday, Greg, and we're going to be talking about uh, the supremacy of Scripture. Um, but to kind of lead into where you're going, um, I-, I want you to tell that story about R.C. Sproul. Um, and him, uh, and, and how much he thinks we should be involved in scripture, oh, how yeah, much we yeah. should be reading scripture Whew. in order to, you know, further our Christian walk. I'm so, so glad, dude, that you told me what the story was, because I would have been like, it's the story of R.C. Sproul, uh, that time one. <laughs> his wagon was called Rosebud. <laughs> Wait, that's something else. Uh, yes, I heard Sproul at a conference, uh, oh, a long time ago. I'm, I might not even been married yet. It was a long time ago, um, and it was an aside comment, and I don't know, you know, at some point in your sort of Christian conference development, you, you sometimes get more interested in the aside comments than the formal comments. Sure. And he was talking about a great message on the supremacy of Scripture, you know, mm-hmm. and just how critical it is in the life of the church, its power, etc. And I was uh, soaking it in. And so this seemed almost counterproductive. Um, he then made a comment about reading the Bible. And he goes, and by the way, where does it say in the Bible that you have to read the Bible every day? <laughs> and I remember... Sproul said that. Huh? Yes, and it, it rocked me because I... I had always been taught, you know, it, isn't there that little children's song, read your Bible, pray every day, oh, yeah, yeah, and you'll yeah, grow, yeah. grow, grow, grow. <laughs> um, I want to be very cautious here. Like Matt Smith and I have talked about this. He thinks maybe I'm a little crazy on this, that I understand it's our natural drift, right, to, to yeah. not be yeah. engaged in spiritual disciplines. It's a lot, it's a lot easier for me to sit down and, and watch the new Netflix right. movie right. that I can get you know, than it is to spend 20 quality minutes thinking through a passage and applying it to my life. I mean, that's just all of us. You know, yeah. it, it really yeah. doesn't matter. It's just those things, uh, the things that are most worthwhile tend to take the most time, you know, which yep. is, again, why Steve tore his tricep. Because um, <laughs> he's in the gym, man, and he's pounding it. He is saying, I'm going to get this body in, in good shape. And Steve, I, you're, you're in a lot better shape than I am, and you're a little older, so of course, you know, I hate you. But um, here, um, <laughs> You know, we, 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 we get into the Word because we know that's where the power comes from. Yesterday, uh, Steve, I was in First Peter 2, um, you know, 1 through 3, and long for the pure mm-hmm. spiritual milk. Yeah. And we, we talked a lot about the, the Word of God, its nourishment. So, is it a good idea to try to read the Bible every day? Duh. Of I mean, course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of course. Um I did a little research on that with Sproul. It was in Table Talk. Back then, I actually called Ligonier because there was no email, or at least that people were using. And I got a response back from a staffer. I, I wish I still had it. I don't. Uh, just to get a little more information on that insight, I thought it was good. And he said, well, R.C. Sproul, what he has tended to do mm-hmm. um, is not read the Bible daily, uh, but he has uh, read the Bible consistently. So he mm-hmm. looks for days in the week where he can devote longer chunks of time to reading Scripture. Yeah. So I started thinking about that. And in some ways, it's like, look, we know the Bible's going to help us understand our God better. It's where we meet Christ. It's where we see him. And it's just awesome to kind of follow him on the pages of the Word. 
So, yeah, it needs to be a consistent part of your life. But I'll say, and I don't know, Steve, how you feel about this. If a guy said, so do I need to read it every day? I would say no. Now, yeah. should you? How often? That, that's a different discussion. Right. But I would say, well, of course not. Well, let me go radical. I mean, what do you mean need? I mean, you're not saved by reading the Bible. Sure. Um, you, you don't keep yourself saved by reading the Bible. Right. So it's obviously about spiritual growth. It's, uh, it, it's coming to know Christ better. Um, I'm more, as I get older, interested in talking to people. Try to weave the Bible into your life as a regular part, and I tend to leave it at that. Yeah. Curious, Steve. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying. Aren't you happy about yes, that? Yes, I um, am. Although <laughs> podcasting is more interesting if you find yeah. it. <laughs> I think this gets back to the legalism topic that we had a few weeks ago as yeah. well. See, it's one thing to read First Peter, and Peter says, so like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. And then somebody says, therefore. And it's always yeah. the therefores <laughs> where we cross the line and start saying things that Scripture doesn't say, but we elevate those things to the level of Scripture. So as soon as you say, therefore, you should read your Bible every day, in my opinion, now you're a legalist. You're legislating where Scripture does not. Right. Yeah. In fact, it, it helps, I think, to realize that historically speaking, uh, you know, when did Gutenberg develop the printing press? Uh, 1400s, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Prior to that, how many Christians had a Bible? Great point. No wonder Scripture never says you must read your Bible every day. Nobody had one. Yep. They were too expensive. They yep. were not accessible. So Scripture is contextualized. In the first century, nobody had a Bible. Nobody in the Roman church had a Bible. Nobody yep. in the Corinthian. So no wonder Scripture doesn't say you should read your Bible every day. Is it a blessing to have Bibles? Absolutely. Yep. Is, it, is there benefit in reading the Bible every day? Sure. Yep. It might just depend on who you are and where you are in your Christian life. And what I mean by that is um, I became a believer when I was 17. I had a complete non-Christian, non-religious background prior to that. And uh, there were massive, massive things in my life and in my thinking that needed change immediately. Yeah. So uh, I discovered Scripture. I came to Christ, discovered the Bible, and I started reading hours yeah. mm -hmm. daily. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I hope you won't think ill of me. I don't read hours daily anymore, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. I can quote you a lot of the scripture that mm -hmm. I never heard of then. Yeah. Right. So I don't, I'm not in the same place of need that I was then. So yeah. where is someone in their Christian life? What is their need? And also, how's an individual wired? Like I'm thinking of a good friend of mine, and this guy prays, man. He puts me to shame. He prays. He's always praying for yeah. people and praying for stuff. Mm -hmm. And... He's really reaching out with the gospel to his non-Christian friends. He owns a business. He's got a lot of people he's involved with in that business. He's got a list. He prays for them all the time. And then once a week, he invites one of them to lunch, and he seeks to share the gospel with them. Wow. And he's sharing gospel with people. Yeah. But here's what he tells me. He says, I just, I hate reading. I, I don't read my Bible. I hate reading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what? It's just how he's wired. Sure, yeah. he's wired to pray. He's wired to preach the gospel. He's not wired to read. Yeah. I'm going to have a hard time faulting that guy. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point, Steve. And I, um, well, I've never thought about the reading more to reading less because you know, I mean, on paper, you 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 read a little, and then you by the end of your life, you're reading five six hours a day. Um, I love that point because you know, again, similar background, similar story, and I I remember being in my teenage bedroom with the the old good news bible remember it had the little stick figure drawings and stuff that's, that's all i had uh, it's all i could get access to at that time and then i don't know i got an niv a month or two later but i remember it must have been three or four hours at a time i just couldn't stop reading yeah, yeah. you know part of that, there's there's that honeymoon period yes that too. um mm -hmm. you're just wow this is for me god's mm -hmm. speaking to me these things are true of me and your need is so great your your thinking 
all that fundamental rewiring, you know, is taking place, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the way you used to think about things. And now, wow, God is personal and, and he loves me and I, I can know him and talk to him. Uh, I thank you for that, Steve. I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. I yeah. mean, that was, wow. I never really thought of that. Um, and, and I agree. I think that point too, I often think of this as much as I'm a huge, and I know you are too, believer in expositional Bible mm-hmm. teaching, uh, the average person in Corinth hearing that letter read is having a different experience mm-hmm. than the sort of, you know, let's look at these three words in yes. this verse. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Let's bust out the Greek, the participles, all uh-huh. that stuff. Does that have value? It can, and it can't depending on what you're using it for yeah. and what you're doing. But sometimes you do think, wow, what have people through the history of the church, what is their encounter with the Bible like? I would also say um, that, you know, Lisa, I mean, being a mother of four kids and when all the kids were small, I have met more young mothers mm. that are so guilty. Yeah, and struggling with that. Yeah. That they're not reading the word. They're, mm-hmm. they're exhausted. Mm-hmm. They, they can barely keep their eyes open. And, you know, <laughs> every Christian woman's book that's ever been written since the beginning of time. <laughs> Chapter one is wake up early. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was up is. at two. I was up at yeah, three. I, I was right. up at five. I, I did wake up early. Uh-huh. My husband was snoring through the entire ordeal. <laughs> and it, that, that's uh, uh, Lisa's joke. She and I always talk about every Christian woman's book. It's, oh, I don't want to read this. Because they all say, you know, I should wake up at 5 a.m. Hmm. Um, and that's the thing. And I would say that was revolutionary for me. Um, I do more reading when I do it at night Mm-hmm. Uh, partly I'm an insomniac, but I was told early on by, by good people, these are good godly people that yeah. told me the very first thing you do when you wake up before anything is you open up that word and you get in the word. I understand the value of that. I understand a lot of people that do that. I found for me, I was frustrated. I wasn't focused. Yeah. I was blurry eyed. I was distracted. Hmm. And I have found a better time in my life to, to me, it's like, man, you're in a relationship with God. Yeah. He's not a computer program. You have to hit the right buttons. Right. Find out in the context of that relationship when when you're going to spend that time just reading the word and, and understanding him better and knowing him better. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the word is supreme. Yeah. So when I preach a message like yesterday on the power of the word of God, it is it is powerful. Yeah. So why wouldn't we want to read it? I think yeah. that's the question. That that what do I have to do versus what what do I get to do is yeah. a privilege. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, we often forget that we go through seasons of everything in our life with with different things. You know, for me, I had seasons in my life where, you know, a, as a mature Christian, I could devote those times to, you know, hour, two hours to reading God's word. I had seasons in my life where I was doing it in the morning because it fit in better. Then I had seasons where, you know what, it's really not. It's It's at night. And to be honest, I'm in a season right now where I'm not in the word as much on a consistent daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a season that I'm in right now. I'm having a job transition with um, hours at work. And so I'm still working on trying to discover, okay, wh- when is this going to work for me in this season of my life? And yeah. and I think um, we, we do, we get hung up as we've talked about in the podcast before, tips and techniques and tricks. Yeah. How, how can I be better? What can I do to be better? And, and I want it now. Yeah. I want it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, go ahead, Steve. Thinking about uh, when Peter wrote that again, when Peter wrote long for the pure milk of the word, 
what was, what was the possible range of applications his people could have taken home? You know, they couldn't have taken home, so I'm going to go home and read my NIV every right, day. Right? right. What were the possible range? It was probably very limited. It was probably limited to something like, that means I ought to show up at church a lot because that's where Scripture is. Right, right? That's right. where I get to hear Scripture yeah. read. Yeah. That's where I get to hear Scripture preached. Or it might have meant, you know, so I want to be in my little home group if they had one or something, because maybe somebody yeah. there has a copy of Philippians that right, they managed right. to get, and they're going to read it for the 34th time, and we're going to talk about That's it. That's a great point. So, you know, again, the range of applications wasn't carry a Bible with you everywhere, read right. it all the time. Yep. Yeah. And have four different color yeah. markers <laughs> that, you know, you do and, and these things, which, again, some great benefits we have. Uh, quote here, uh, Stephen Altrogi, who is uh, host of The Happy Rant, is going to be a guest on here. Maybe I shouldn't have revealed that now, but uh, that we'll was going to be a big exciting thing. We'll just thing. say he's going to be a guest on here. We won't reveal the when. The when, that's uh. good, yeah. But he uh, put out a, a, a great tweet. I think he's taken sort of an historic quote, and he's used it as uh, motivation for pastors. I love this. I saw it this weekend, uh, guys. It says, pastors, don't be a motivational speaker pushing your people to do better, Yeah, which is just what you were saying, Nathan. It says, be a beggar showing other beggars where to find bread. Yeah, Man, I love that. And you know, I, I am way more interested in uh, whether, the, whether a friend or somebody I'm interacting with is a doer of the word than whether they are reading it daily. I mean, you talked earlier in this podcast yeah. about some guy, forget who he was, who he's reading, you were making him up on the spot. He's right, reading right. scripture, he's praying, he's memorizing scripture, he's journaling and all that, but he was a jerk. Right, right. Yeah. right. Just yeah. a social misfit. Yeah. I would be much more interested in knowing, you know, does the guy treat people with grace? Right. Is, yeah. is the fruit of the spirit evident in his life? Yep. And does he read his Bible every single day? Sure. Because you can read your Bible every day and just be an obnoxious. Sure. Christian person. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the information versus transformation. Yeah. Right? You know, where people know a lot, they read, and it's almost as if there's, there's, I did hear a guy, I don't remember who, so it's probably good, years ago say something he learned to do, but he was cautioning as he was saying it, he goes, this is what I do. You don't have to do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? often we gravitate to, oh, I need to do this. He just said, what I've done when uh, I spend my time in the word and I pray, he says, I will close the Bible and I, I will say, Lord, I know Everything I just did contributes to my relationship with you in no way. Yeah. From the standpoint of his love for him, mm. that I know that you don't now love me anymore um, than you did before. Yeah. I know you love me as much if I hadn't done this. Yeah. Just a helpful way so that he was trying to keep in his mind the purpose of the Bible, just understanding who his God is. That, that gaining, I get to meet God in the scripture. It's not that, oh, look, I did this valuable spiritual yeah. thing and read scripture. Which yeah. is could produce terrible things. Yeah. yeah, that's really helpful. For an example of a terrible thing, I, I knew a, a little group of Christians in a church I once pastored in California, a little group of Christians who kind of moved together on campuses and stuff, and they actually thought that if they failed to read their Bible first thing in the morning, it was going to be a bad day. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like, God's <laughs> going to get you. Yeah. The <laughs> wheels are going to fall off the wagon or something. Yep. And you know, the look on their face when the lights came on and they realized... That's not so. Wow. It was like a moment of grace in their life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to teach that, Steve. I, I would tell young people my early years when I probably had no business doing anything. <laughs> I was like an 18-year-old teaching like 13-year-olds. <laughs> and I would say, you guys don't read your word in the morning. Your day is going to be a catastrophe. Yeah. I, I would say that as much as I believed Jesus is the Son of God. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, you grow. and you change. Yeah, we'd like to take back some things. <laughs> yes, you, <laughs> you pray, well, Lord, that uh, the damage I inflicted, I hope your grace overcame right. that too. Yeah, Thank God clean. that he's building his church and not you. Yes, yeah. yes. It's going to be a much Absolutely. better uh, result.
Hmm. All right. Well, any last thoughts, um, guys? Really appreciate the uh, the time you've taken and um, devoting to this subject. And, and Greg, I mean, this even kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Matt about tithing. Yeah. You know, that, yes, it's a good idea and we should practice the idea of giving and right. sacrificial giving, but, you know, nowhere in the scripture does it talk about giving a tithe. Right. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. We should be consistent about reading scripture it should be a joyful experience but yeah. uh, nowhere in scripture does it say you need to read this every day at this time right so all right well we're going to go ahead and uh, sign off now thank you so much guys and greg we just rocked the casbah consider it rocked these go to 11